This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We were just discussing Lions-Bucks and how it's hard to have a bit of a feel on this game, so we bring in our expert, as we do each and every week at this very time. It is Carlin versus Joe, welcoming in Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Jeff, before we get to that game, uh, last week I asked you, bigger ripoff, airport bottled water or airline Wi-Fi. So today I ask you, uh, you went airport bottled water. Uh, today I ask you, bigger ripoff, airport bottled water or Russell Wilson? Oh, oh, oh you're, dehuman, you're dehumanizing him, right? We're now we're trying. No, I think to... he doesn't need my help to do that, Jeff. I think he's got that handled. <laughs> oh man, I'm not it's, dehumanizing uh, not him, but that Jeff, that contract is going to be up there with one of the worst of all time. There are different competing factions here between him and Deshaun Watson right now. I was just about to say Deshaun Watson's contract might be right there with it. I mean, uh, pretty crazy. I think the crazy thing about the Russell Wilson contract is like they did, well, both of them, they didn't really have to do it. It wasn't like he was going anywhere at that point. And, you know, Deshaun, I guess they felt like they were vying for him, uh, despite the fact that no one else was nearly as interested, other than maybe Brian Flores in Miami at the time. But, like, the, the weird thing for the Russell Wilson contract is like, he was under contract. So, I don't know. They're, they're paying for that one. All right, so we stay there with Russell Wilson. It looked like, based on the numbers he had last year under Nathaniel Hackett versus so far this season through five games under Sean Payton, there was growth, at least statistically. Well, then he had one of the worst games of his entire career last night against Kansas City. So through six games, how should we assess Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, the Russell Wilson-Sean Payton relationship, all that stuff? I mean, I, I've never really felt – I mean, I definitely felt like going into this uh, relationship that, that Sean Payton, if, if somebody was going to get the most out of Russell Wilson at this point, it felt like it was going to be Payton. But at the same time, uh, you know, Payton retired from coaching the Saints for a reason. So I just – I feel like – I don't know how invested either of them are in what they're doing right now. I just, it feels awkward. The whole thing just, it feels disjointed. Any kind of synergy. Uh, and so, so I don't really know. I don't know where this goes. Uh, but I do know that, you know, I'm, I'm willing to see. It just doesn't feel like they have any chance at uh, even contending for the division, let alone uh, a wild card spot. Jeff Darlington with us, ESPN NFL reporter. Sometimes we see the the guys that go someplace new and they feel like they fall in love with the game again. Joe made this yeah. comment last hour. I, I agree with it. There, Russell Wilson just doesn't look like he even wants to play at times at the moment. When you're watching him, is this seem to you like a case of where he could go somewhere else and refine that love, or is it kind of kind of broken at this point it feels broken to me i mean i was also among those who thought russell wilson is a super bowl winning quarterback and i know we can credit the defense of the seahawks at the time but at the same yeah i mean he he still was obviously a great quarterback for the seahawks when they did win that super bowl i i guess i have a difficult time 
understanding how somebody can be elite and fall off that dramatically. Um, so, no, I, I don't necessarily think he'd go somewhere else and feels reinvigorated. I mean, this is the second coach, and it, it doesn't look any better, and a very different type of coach, a very different, different style of leadership from this coach, and it's still just not resonating. I, I don't know the answer. Uh, it does not, though, feel all that encouraging. If I was a team out there, uh, and, and are you really going to bring Russell Wilson in as your starter? let alone the possibility of adding him as a backup. It just feels weird, man. I I don't know where it goes because I don't really understand how it got to this point. Jeff, on the other side of last night's game, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, they continue to win since that week one loss against Detroit. He's been very reliant on tight end Travis Kelsey. A lot of people would be. Kelsey's one of the best in the business. But his running backs as well. It seems like for anyone in fantasy, anyone who's betting props, anyone in general trying to figure out this offense, the wide receiver position yeah. is very hit or miss. Do you see them being active pre-trade deadline in that receiver market? I could see it. I know that Mahomes, like I remember last year talking to him about his receivers and he wasn't concerned at all. And look what ultimately came of it, a Super Bowl. Uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, again, he relied on Kelsey, but it wasn't like it was an, an all-star cast of pro bowlers. He just figured it out, and it feels like that's what he's doing again. Uh, could they be active at the trade deadline? I would have thought that they would have been more active in their pursuit of Deshaun, or, um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins when he was available, and they were not. So I, I guess I have a tough time predicting. I, I would say, yeah, it feels like that they would be active, but at the same time, they weren't overly pursuant of Hopkins when that felt like that could have been the type of weapon that, that could have uh, really bolstered their unit. Jeff Darlington with us, ESPN NFL reporter with Car- uh, with Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Okay, uh, you've got the Bucks and Lions this weekend. What are you yeah. hearing from the Bucks right now regarding Baker Mayfield as a long-term answer? Uh, I'm very curious about that. Um, I I would say I, I'm going to find out first of all, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm I'm very interested to to see. This is the first time I'll be in Tampa this season, and I'm I'm really curious. I mean, I, I know that they really Jason Light, the general manager, really has been high on Baker since they got him, and I think one of the things that Jason was surprised by was how under the radar the move was uh, to acquire Baker. It, it was as if I mean, think about all the other times the team signed Baker. It was headlines. It was the major story in the league, even when, like, Carolina signed him. And it hit a point where I think people sort of just got disenchanted. Um, Jason feels like he scored one here. You know, he's got to do it for the extension, uh, the, the, the remainder of the season. But this is a team that's in salary cap hell because of going all in for Tom Brady. So if they can say get Baker Mayfield on a long-term deal that's like reasonable say it's like you know 30 million or something like that which I know sounds crazy relatively speaking when Daniel Jones is 40 million uh maybe that makes sense for this team a lot of time left between now and the end of the season but it does feel like Baker Mayfield and Tampa are at this point a very good fit just throwing it out there, Baker Mayfield, 15-1 to 1 to win Comeback Player of the Year, courtesy of my friend Ooh. Mackenzie Kramer. Just throwing Who's it out. That feels Who's good. That feels Who's like a nice number. The leader in that department is Damar Hamlin. Hamlin? Yeah, yeah. 
At yeah, minus 175? The field, he wins. Yeah. Absolutely. Tua Tungavailoa, number two. Ooh, I mean, that's great, but you can't. DeMar Hamlin just, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I did not give it to him. No, you, you assume it's Hamlin. I. I think a lot of us Ever. see it going to Hamlin. The one thing about the market is that, you know, he, he's not playing a lot. This isn't to knock the case. It's just you don't see matter. him on the field a lot. And we've we've stopped kind of talking about the story. Even when he played, there wasn't a whole lot of coverage of it. No, totally. I still, though, think anybody who votes, when you look at that list, you're like, okay. Yeah. Tua Tungavailoa, you know, came coming back from the concussion situation. Tamar Hamlin, like, like, yeah, no, he, he gets the vote. Yeah. It feels like it. You had mentioned um, Deshaun Watson a little bit earlier in the conversation. You've covered him earlier this season. You know, he he missed a game, shoulder injury. Okay, that happens. Then there's the bye week. Then all of a sudden they come back from the bye and he's still hurt. People start scratching their heads. Then we get later in the week and he's ruled out on a Friday. How bad is the injury? I don't know how bad the injury is, but I still think that, like, there are no excuses when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Like, the, the fact that the Browns are not the clear leaders in their division and, like, you know, projecting to be a 15-win team is really bad. I mean, it, I understand injuries happen, but even when he was healthy, it wasn't really awesome. I, I don't know. I mean, this, this contract was awful to begin with, and honestly, like, if he doesn't work out, how do you not look at everybody in that building and say, how in the world did this happen? Cool. Jeff, uh, last one on football, at least. You know, I'm going to ask you something <laughs> stupid. I can't uh, believe I, I look forward to the other stuff, you know. <laughs> well, this one is uh, related to what's going on in New England, so the stories are, mm-hmm. are now going to heat up, right? Uh, oh, yeah. How bad well, is this going to have to get for these two sides to part ways, meaning Belichick and Robert Kraft? And next week's headlines today – Mike Vrabel in Foxborough next week to get into the Patriots Hall of I Fame. I saw your tweet. I Look at saw that. that. Look at that. Ooh. Give me like a feel that. on Did that I situation. You Do you? That? Everybody seems Did to say Gerard Mayo. That? Jeff, he up. really needs you to push this narrative. He yeah. he wants oh, to win this. Narrative. You got to push it. I will. I'll, hey, I'm right there with you. I agree. <laughs> Everybody says Mayo, but Mayo doesn't have head coaching experience. Mike Vrabel is the perfect fit. He's the perfect. Fit. I am 100% behind you on that. If I was the New England, if I was Robert Kraft, it is the perfect transition. Vrabel is the perfect fit. The fan base would love it. He's a proven head coach. I'm with you. I am 100% with you on that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start clipping off as I ask every single one of ESPN's insiders or anybody who has any kind of opinion on this. And when they tell yeah. me how brilliant of an idea it is, at the end of it, when it happens, we could just play it all together with like one big montage of how yes. wonderful I am. And when it, when it happens, I like your confidence there as oh, well. I have confidence. Uh, and it sh- you know, if I was Robert Kraft, by the way, I would, I would probably be thinking like, okay, what did I learn from Belichick over the last 20 years? Oh, right. The philosophy that it's better to get rid of a guy a year too soon than a year too late. And it's funny how uh, suddenly, uh, if Robert Kraft were to take the advice of the coach who cut many players before him when uh, he didn't want to pay them instead, I I think that... uh, There's a big old bowl of irony clam chowder right there for Bill. (laughs) Yeah, sure is. (laughs) 
Uh, Jeff, how many minutes a day between when you get up in the morning or when you go to bed at night would you say that you spend primping? Primping? Yeah. As good looking as you are, Jeff, this, I, this, this I, can't be all I natural. Have, you, know, you know what? I have, I have a tough reputation. I've been I've been changing sprinkler heads all day. I got cuts all over my hands. Oh, my my, my fingernails are dirty. So, Jeff, you know, I'm yeah, listen, really. You can't be this pretty and then try to go with the rugged bit, too. All right? We can't I know. do that. It's tough. I, I, I've thought about trying to transition but into the into the rugged guy, but I don't I don't want that either because I, I like to set expectations, you know. But I would say a couple serums at night. You know, you got to get a nice vitamin C serum. You yeah. Know? You got to get something. Uh, you got to get something. Uh, what's that other stuff I use? Uh, yeah, overnight I, serum. So it's oh, clear that you would. It's clear that you would describe yourself as having a skincare routine. Oh, he has oh, to. Big time. Yeah. Oh, 100% skincare. Oh, yeah. I'm well, with you. I've got the serums as well. Carlin knows nothing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it might some be people too late. invest in their, in their, uh, you know, he's a confident man on the inside. What can I say? <laughs> You're the best. Yeah, I got my team. Thanks, I'll, I'll shoot you a couple pictures. Uh, let you know what you should purchase. Oh, please I mean, do. These are expensive. We're talking like 150 bucks a bottle. It's oh, big. my God. Okay. But Listen, I'm, I'm not in the I'll do it all. I'll do the just for men. I'll do it all. Yeah, but I, listen, I, will, Je- I mean, Jeff, I will I'll invest, but I'm, I'm, when I'm 90 years old. I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> investing 150 bucks in a 1996 Chevy Cavalier here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got it. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to hold on. I'm just trying to hold on as long as I can. Appreciate I'll let it. it all go eventually, but for a couple more years. I, I, pretty... I got these. I was starting to get gray hairs, and I tried to just for men. And my wife said, I kind of like the gray hairs. And I said, but the problem is once you go gray, you can't go back or it's obvious. You know? <laughs> Plenty of so people gotta, do it. <laughs> Plenty of people do it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to do it for a little bit. I'll, I'll give up eventually, but not yet. Thank not you, yet. Jeff. Thank you. All right. Jeff Darlington, boy, he sounded excited at the end there. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. I, my favorite thing is to just look right in the Zoom and look at your face when I start asking stupid things. Yeah. Now, do you see my? Do you see my mind wandering when that happens? Yes. No. You check out. Absolutely. <laughs> and I don't blame you. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel eighty. The Chiefs are in first place. Patrick Mahomes, not the biggest reason why. We'll tell you who is next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Shotgun snap. Touchdown, Kansas City, Kadarius Tony on the quick out, and the Chiefs finally break down the door. Kansas City's got the football at the 25-yard line of Denver. Trent McDuffie puts the hit, and Willie Gay Jr. recovers the fumble. Our defense was incredible tonight, uh, as they have been. And then um, offensively, we, we got to take care of business in the red zone. They're not getting nearly enough credit on the defensive side for the Kansas City Chiefs because Steve Spagnuolo has that group playing at an exceptionally high level right now. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh, Mr. Fortenbaugh, just a little while ago, as you know, we had Chase Daniel on, former NFL quarterback. And I was we here ta- for it. You were? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, we were talking uh, about the Broncos Chiefs game last night and in the midst of that discussion he brought up this Kansas City defense right now the way they're doing it and the and how they're doing it it's, it's Spags Spags is special has always been heating quarterbacks up right and and it was always a pain in the ass to go out there and to actually game plan against him when I was in that division because they bring double-edged pressure so they're bringing the nickel and the will or the safety and the nickel or two to a side it's just a lot of different stuff you have to prepare for that might take your mind as a quarterback off actually reading the play, if that makes sense. So it makes life difficult on an offensive coordinator. Look, since Patrick Mahomes has been there, the Chiefs defense has consistently gotten, gotten overlooked. And Travis Kelsey, too. We understand why. I mean, they're, they're two of the biggest stars in the sport. This group is pretty damn good. And when we were talking during the offseason and, and during training camp about Chris Jones and the need to get that deal done, you see why. And now you see a group, Joe, that I actually believe can carry the day for the Chiefs a bit where maybe this is not the year they have to go get another playmaker on offense. Maybe it's the Chiefs' defense turn to carry them in some spots where normally that wasn't the case in years past. Tied for sixth in opponent yards per play, up from a ranking of ninth last season. So they've made some improvements. They haven't let a single opponent score more than 21 points on them this year. And they've played some pretty good offenses. Week one, they allowed the 21 to Detroit. That's a pretty good football team right there. Week two, they go to Jacksonville. They limit the Jags to nine points. Some would say, all right, well, it's a new Jags offense. They had an offensive lineman suspended. Give them some time. Okay, I could see it either way. You still limited an NFL team to nine points on their home turf. Held the Bears to 10, held the Jets to 20, held the Vikings to 20. Again, Justin Jefferson got hurt in that game. And then Denver was held to eight last night. So they have been, to date, very strong. The next month is going to determine everything as to how good they are. Because three of the next four games, they are going to face some very good offenses. Next up is a home date with the Los Angeles Chargers. Then they're going to be on the road at Denver. I'm not too worried about that. Maybe Denver finds its mojo. Maybe they don't. But outside of Denver, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Eagles are the games coming up. They've got the Chargers at Denver, hosting Miami, hosting Philadelphia. That's going to tell us everything we need to know about this defense over the next month of the season. They've passed every test so far up until this point. 
Now we're going to the finals. They've passed the midterms. Now we're going to the finals. Okay, I think that's fair. But is there a point here where after the finals, so to speak, uh, with the trade deadline in the midst of that, where you feel like they're going to show you enough where adding another guy from Mahomes this year is not worth giving up the asset at this point because that always yeah that always comes down to how much right if they're going to yeah. get a receiver is it a fourth rounder because I'm of the belief that when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes you're going to be aggressive every year aggressive every year if they feel that they're in it right now which they very clearly are if there's a deal they can make that isn't an absolute bank breaker go make the deal constantly compete for Super Bowls. Don't take years off because once this window closes, you don't know if you'll ever get this back. New England's starting to realize this. Now that the Brady era is over, they see what they're stuck with. They know that it might be a while before they're even back to the playoffs, let alone competing for Super Bowls. So if you're the Chiefs, get aggressive if the opportunity is there. Absolutely. But that's that doesn't take away from your point on how good the defense no, is, No, no. They've no, been very I, good. And I couldn't agree more about learning about it the next few weeks. We are just six weeks into the season. Do you feel like Mahomes definitely needs one? Because if we're being truthful about it, he hasn't played the greatest so far. They, I mean, last night was sloppy to say the least but I'm always willing to give guys the benefit of the doubt on a Thursday night right Thursday night is just every every player and coach will tell you how tough these games are you're banged up you have limited preparation time sometimes teams need to travel like Denver in this situation has to travel so ultimately I mean you know you look at some of the output this year it hasn't been elite but they're finding ways to win they're finding ways to win so I'm I Mahomes has earned the benefit of the doubt to where I'm not going to worry too much about him until I see a whole lot of evidence that something's wrong. And I just haven't seen all that evidence yet. Carla versus Joe ESPN radio tune in college football action tomorrow. Tennessee hosts Texas A&M presented by Dr. Pepper coverage begins 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app. Speaking of some college football in just moments, Mr. Feinbaum is on his way. The biggest game of the weekend. Oh, boy. It is a brilliant one. A top 10 matchup that could help decide not only a conference champion, Joseph, but who wins the Heisman. It's next. ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The traditions. I'm taking the end. That's it. Fumble the ball at 25 and then went 75 yards in the two plays. The drama. Triple overtime winner for USC. So far game. We kept fighting. Long we go, better we get. College football lives here. ESPN Radio. 
Knoxville the site for Tennessee, Texas A&M. We've got a bunch of other great games this weekend, including a big one out west. Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show is with us. He is in Knoxville for Tennessee, Texas A&M, where the show will emanate from. And SEC Nation will be there live today, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. Paul, it's Carlin. It's Joe. We appreciate the time. As always, are you hitting up all of your old haunts in Knoxville the last couple of days? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were saying hitting up all all, the, all my old uh, girlfriends. If so, they would be gray-haired and probably barely able to walk. Um, but uh, well, listen, Paul, you uh, do you. You know, <laughs> it, it, it is it's scary though when you go back to school on these football weekends and, and you realize how long it's been since you actually were in a classroom. <laughs> that is somewhat alarming. To be sure. All right, let's start up in Seattle with the biggest game of the weekend, Oregon and Washington. Paul, quite simply, how seriously should we be taking these two teams in the national championship picture? I think you have to take them seriously because of the two quarterbacks, Michael Penix and Bo Nix. I mean, they are literally uh, at the top of the heap, uh, as well as Caleb Williams. I mean, I think it speaks for, for itself, but. I think the winner of this game is really in a great spot, uh, especially if it's Oregon uh, with a road win. Uh, I mean, they'll have to deal with, with SC later on, but and, and of course the Pac-12 championship game. But, but I, I, I have no doubt. I mean, a, a lot of uh, my colleagues and yours really believe Washington is the best team in the country. I, I, I have no way of knowing that right now based on what I've seen them play, but they are very complete. So uh, th- this game is not a mirage. It's the real thing. Kalen DeBoer, one of the most underrated coaches in the country. Bo Nix, quarterback at Auburn. What's the biggest difference between the Bo Nix you're seeing at Oregon and the one you saw at uh, at Auburn? Uh, competent coaching. Uh, I mean, he, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he he spent his first year under uh, under under Gus Malzahn, who was clearly at the end of his line there, and then he had Brian Harson, who was a you know well thought of. Uh, offensive mind, but but he was a complete disaster at Auburn. He never adapted to the SEC. So so Bo really did not get good coaching. He is now uh, you know under Dan Lanning's system, and and he's you know this guy this is a guy who started his first game uh, as an as an Auburn freshman, and by the way led them to a win against Oregon uh, on the first weekend of the season. So I mean this guy has been around. I mean not many college players. Uh, will have will have been able to say they started for five years, um, and, and, and so he 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 is very good. He's very good, most experienced as well. Paul Feinbaum, the Paul Feinbaum Show is live from Knoxville today, Tennessee, and Texas A and M coming up three p.m. Eastern uh, on the SEC Network and SEC Nation uh, coming as well. Paul, um, can USC actually play enough defense to be a playoff team? I don't see how. Uh, I mean, they, this has been a problem for them for, for a while, but it's starting to become uh, their undoing. And, and I, by no means do I think Notre Dame is, is an elite team. That's, that's pretty obvious they're not with two losses already and, and a near miss at Duke. But, uh, you know, the problem for USC is that, you know, the, the, the Notre Dame is a very physical team. Uh, I don't think they'll hurt USC where, where they've been hurt uh, in other games. But if you watch the – that game last week, the one that went into overtime against Arizona State, I mean, it, it wasn't even schemes. It was effort. I mean, USC guys were just 
lollygagging around. I mean, they weren't finishing plays. They weren't tackling. And and that's a real problem against a physical team like Notre Dame. Mario Cristobal used to be the head coach at Oregon, who we were just talking about. Now he's at the University of Miami. It was a struggle last year. Team looks a lot better this year, but a complete boneheaded decision late in that game against Georgia Tech. Instead of kneeling it out, they run the ball, they fumble, they give the game away to Georgia Tech. What is it about good coaches going to Miami and having so much trouble there? Uh, it, it almost feels like uh, the, the Bermuda Triangle. I, I, in fact, it's not that far from the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> um, uh, I don't understand. Uh, I mean, Mario Cristobal you know, is a really well thought of guy, primarily as a recruiter, and you know he is he is torching his reputation as a competent play uh, as a competent on the field coach. He's, he's done this a couple of times. He had a very similar situation at Oregon, uh, and you know. If he doesn't win tomorrow night against North Carolina, I mean, I, I feel like the season is going to spiral out of control. I think a win and he can get something back. I mean, there's no way to get the humiliation back. But uh, you know, he is really on the clock right now in terms of, of public perception. I mean, I mean I, I've talked to some Miami fans this week that, that literally wanted to pull the ripcord after that game. I, I, I realize that's, that's overthinking it, maybe a little bit reactionary, but, but Georgia Tech is – is not a is not a good team at all. I mean, when you win the game, when all you have to do is take a knee to win the game and you lose it, uh, how, there's no explanation for that. There's very little coming back from that as well in in terms of perception among the fan base. Paul Feinbaum with us. Paul, this game this weekend for Tennessee, you know, you look ahead to Alabama, Kentucky, all lying in front of them. I mean, this would appear like a must win if they are they still capable before they get Georgia at the end of the year of getting back into the discussion for the playoff. Well, it is a must-win uh, because a loss here, and let me let me just give you the SEC schedule for them uh, next week at Alabama. That's just, that would be a loss if they can't beat A&M here, and then they have Georgia later. And I, th- I think it's pretty self-explanatory. The problem for Tennessee is, is really the drop-off at quarterback. Last year at this time, Hendon Hooker on this very weekend led uh, was flawless against Alabama and led that big upset over the number one team in the country. And uh, listen, Joe Milton is just not. At that level, uh, he, he has not even played really even competently yet. And there's, there's, all, there's some chatter on this campus that, you know, maybe it's time to just, uh, if, if this game goes south, uh, to go ahead and admit that this thing is not going to work and bring in a freshman who's raw but has enormous talent. So, I mean, a, a great deal is on the line. Uh, conversely, uh, a lot's on the line for A&M, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a program that has been teetering for a couple of years under, under Jimbo Fisher. And a loss, that would be uh, number three. Remember, this team lost to Miami early in the year. Uh, they still have to deal with Ole Miss and LSU on the road. And uh, so, I mean, I mean, I, it, is, it is literally a must-win for both, both schools. But for Tennessee, it's more important from the standpoint of, 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 stri- of trying to stay alive in the SEC East race. Paul, awesome stuff. Appreciate it. Enjoy Knoxville. Thank you. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Yep. Paul Feinbaum. The Paul Feinbaum Show emanates live from Knoxville today on the SEC Network as they get ready for the Tennessee Volunteers and Texas A&M. I really am going to be very locked in, and I know everybody is. Just saying it that way sounds silly, but uh, I am fascinated to watch Michael Penix in particular because I have to tell you, when he was at Indiana, he was a very good player. I don't know that I ever thought 
that he was going to evolve into this level of player. Good coaching, good talent around him. Kalen DeBoer was previously at Fresno State, and then he was an offensive coordinator, I believe, at that same Indiana program. And he has done a remarkable job at the University of Washington. A lot of people don't notice because it's the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, we have a lot of listeners focusing on the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, things like that. No shame in that. But if you're a college football fan, this game is not going to disappoint tomorrow. All right. Washington, Oregon is going to be huge. The total 67, two Heisman candidates at quarterback, both teams coming off a bye. So they're rested, healthy, ready to go. The atmosphere is going to be loud. It's going to be raucous. There's some rain in the forecast. The game has everything. And the winner of it has a very, very good claim to being the best team in the country. I tell you what, you you hit on something there. That is a loud place oh yeah when it, is, when it is jacked up that is a very loud place it's carlin versus joe espn radio presented by progressive insurance insurance for motorcycles boats and rvs for protection on the road and on the water see how much you can save at progressive.com it's going to be a fascinating fascinating college football weekend and this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio Is it a good bet? I like those odds. Or is it a bad bet? Take my money, take it off! Well, let's get to it. We need to find out what we should be wagering on this weekend and an even larger circle. So let us not waste any time. We turn it over to Evan Wilner to host another edition of Good Bet, Bad Bet. Yeah, we're going to focus on some college football here with Good Bet, Bad Bet. Let's start with Bo Nix. Third favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. He's right now at plus 550. Joe, plus 550, Bo Nix to win the Heisman. Good bet or bad bet? Ah, uh, bad bet. I would say bad bet because I project Washington to beat Oregon this weekend. I haven't bet it. I like the total. More on that later. But I would see Washington winning this game, and then when they win this game, Nix is going to have a loss on his resume. Penix's Heisman odds are going to go up, meaning he's going to become more of a favorite, and Nix's are going to slide. So I would not want to invest in that now. But if you like Oregon to win this weekend, that is a good bet because you're going to get ahead of the move. See, here's the thing. It's a bad bet right now, and I agree with everything that you're saying to a point. As a Heisman voter myself, I know how lazy a lot of Heisman voters are. And moving forward, it's going to take a lot to take Caleb Williams off of that top of the mountain right now. And I think from that standpoint, uh, you're going to have to convince them that Caleb Williams is not the guy for them to just not click that when they're going to vote. Right now, bad bet. USC, surprisingly to me, has the third best odds to win the Pac-12 at plus 250. So, Carlin, good bet or bad bet, plus 250 USC to win the Pac-12? Well, I think right now it's a bad bet, and and the reason I say that is exactly what we asked Paul Feinbaum about, and it's what Lincoln Riley has to talk about every week, Joe, and it's their lack of defense, their complete lack of defense. At some point... That is going to come back to bite you. Could that come back to bite you this week in Notre Dame? Maybe. But I I just think that you have to be able to stop somebody when it matters. And so right now I'd say bad bet. 
Agreed. Agreed completely. There's a reason they have the third best odds in the Pac-12. They cannot play defense. If this were a problem limited to the last few games or even just the start of this season, that would be one thing. Lincoln Riley took over the program last year. Alex Grinch was his defensive coordinator. The defense was not good. Okay, that's year one. You got some time. Hit the transfer portal, spend that NIL money, your USC will see you get better. So they made some moves. They're not any good this season. They've given up 28-plus in four of six games this year, and they're not playing good teams. They gave up 28-plus to San Jose State, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, hung 40 on them and came all the way back in that game. They didn't win, but you got to get some stops if you're going to contend for a championship or even in the conference. USC is a three-point dog at Notre Dame this weekend. They could lose that game. But later in the year, they're going to have a back-to-back where they host Washington, and then they go to Oregon. Going to Oregon the week after Washington is going to be very difficult very difficult to pull off so I I would not play USC to win the Pac-12 North Carolina we talked about this they're playing Miami coming off that brutal loss North Carolina minus three versus Miami good bet or bad bet Joe I mean you're getting the best price but I would say bad bet because Miami opened as a four-point dog in this game Everyone saw how they blew that game against Georgia Tech last week. They should have taken a knee. They didn't. They ran the ball up the middle. They fumbled. Georgia Tech went down the field, scored, and won the game. Miami clearly got caught looking ahead. So why would this game go from Miami plus four to Miami plus three and a half to Miami plus three? That's not the public saying, oh, my God, I have to bet the Hurricanes after that disaster last weekend. The public's going to bet North Carolina in this game. Sharp guys got on Miami at more than a field goal. At three, it's not a bad bet because you're getting the best of it for North Carolina, but I would be staying away in this situation. Uh, Listen, I think it's a good bet on Carolina because what happened the other day, I mean, you see players on the bench saying, what the blank are we doing? Like, you got to lose a little bit of faith in your leadership with a game like that. When you have it salted away and that happens. Drake May... It's just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. That's the word I'm looking for. Give me Carolina minus three here, and I will sprint. Well, I'll waddle right to the sports book. Like a penguin. Yes. (laughs) Next. Speaking of Jalen Waddle, uh, the Phillies... (laughs) Are plus 220, still plus money. Well, what does win. that even mean now? Speaking of Jalen Waddle. The next one is actually about the Miami Dolphins. Oh, okay. I skipped ahead. <laughs> Phillies, plus 220 to win the World Series. Still plus money there. Carlin, Phillies, plus 220 to win the World Series. Good bet, bad bet. It's hard to argue that that's, that's a bad bet. I think that's a very good bet. Um, listen, I, I would say that the, the Astros are probably the biggest favorite right now, right? I, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on the Phillies at the moment to to do that i as a texas fan it kills me to say that but there's just too much special going on and they came up short last year and i look sorry arizona this is entirely too easy of a road for philadelphia here in the nlcs love the path for philadelphia i think that's the key point from carlin is that texas and houston is going to be a battle like that's going to be a battle the winner of that's going to have earned it but you're going to come out of that philly could i mean it's no disrespect to the diamondbacks but here comes the disrespect philly could just run right through them they could could absolutely run right through them because that team has done very well to get here but this is going to be a completely different situation for them at citizens bank park 
Park to open up the series. And there are going to be a lot of Philly fans in Arizona for those road games, much like they were in San Diego last year for the road games. So don't discount that at all. I'm biased here. I'm a Philly fan. I think it's an excellent bet. You don't bet against the big red wagon this time of year. Go Phils. Next. Tariq Hill. Over 87 and a half receiving yards against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Good bet. Bad bet, Joe. What's the prop again? This is Tariq Hill. Kill. Yep. Over oh. 87 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Look, I'm not going to bet an under on Tyreek Hill. That's never going to happen because one play can change everything. The Miami offense only needs the ball for 22 minutes against the Giants to put 500 yards up on the board. So over is the only way to play the Tyreek Hill props. I'd love to come and give you some great contrarian angle, but with the way Miami plays offense, especially with how sloppy they were last week, I think you get a focused effort here. I cannot bet unders on Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry. It's over or pass. Yeah, it's very difficult to do. But you look at his his games this season, right? He's had three monsters of 150-plus. And then he's had two games where he's at, you know, 50 yards, 40 yards. I think it just depends where they're going to focus their defensive attention. But you can't do that with the Dolphins because they can beat you too many different ways. I will say that over 87 and a half yards against Carolina is a very good bet. All right. I got one more. Jalen Hurts, 45 and a half rushing yards uh, over, is the over a good bet. Now, keep in mind, Jalen Hurts has only hit the number once this season, but the Jets can't seem to stop quarterbacks from running. Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes all ran all over the Jets' defense. So, Jalen Hurts, over 45 and a half rushing yards. Good bet or bad bet? Harlan? That's hard for me to argue that that's a bad bet. That's absolutely a good bet. And, and the Jets, for whatever reason, just have not been able to stop um, running quarterbacks this year. And it's not out of designed runs either. It's all out of making plays out of nothing. I would take the over there. Absolutely. Good bet. Ah. Lean this over. is where I'm a sucker for the surface analysis uh, yeah. on, on that, right? I, I, I guess lean, lean over. It makes a lot of sense given the opponent he's facing. It's the attempts. The thing is in the... It, it, Hertz hasn't had a minimum, hasn't had less than nine rushing attempts this year. Nine rushing attempts, five yards per carry as a quarterback. That gives you 45. Yeah, tush push, there's always two or three of those. But those are good for three yards. So, yeah, I mean, it's over or pass for me. Uh, Way to commit. I mean, Evan's throwing a bunch of stuff out I couldn't care less about. Imagine giving me bets I'm actually making. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.